turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Uh, we're driving to church this morning, and Caleb looks and he goes, Dad, you have a bald spot in the back of your head. I said, Son, no, I, listen, I can't hear. You know, things are getting messed up, and, but I don't have a bald spot. At least I don't think I have a bald spot. I can't see back there. And so, uh, anyway, turn to Luke chapter 16. I had a guy come in and, and, uh, this, past, this past week really neat conversation off the cuff and and he said to me he walks into my office and and there's a set of golf clubs and listen it's not because I play golf all the time but there's a set of golf clubs that's there and so interesting conversations it brings about you know so this guy walks in and he says he said um did I ever did I ever play golf with you and I said well I don't think so I said, you know, I'm getting old, but I don't remember playing golf. But then again, I could have forgotten, you know, I really don't know. And he said, if, I, if, I've, if I've played golf with you somewhere along the line, he said, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, what for? And he said, he said well, he said, um, because back then, he said, I, I, my life was different. And he said, I, I just, I really struggled a lot. And so I thought to myself, this guy's really wanting to have a conversation. And so we begin to talk. And I said, well, tell me, tell me what, what happened. He said, well, he said, I used, to, I used to play four and five times a week. And I said, you did? I said, well, you, many of you either loved it an awful lot or you were awful good. He said, well, I, really, I was pretty good. He said, I used to make some money playing golf. And I said, well, I said, well, what happened? He said, well, he said, I, I played so much golf, he said, I lost my family. And I said, you did? He said, yeah. I said, well, what ended up happening? He said, well, it was a period of time. And he said, I, I ended up just at the place that I felt like I had no place to turn. It's pretty interesting. I said, well, well what, what did you do? And he said, well, I knew this pastor. And he was a pretty good guy, and I felt like I could call him and talk to him. So he said, I called him, and I said, listen, can I come to church tomorrow? And he said, uh, he said sure. He said, man, why, why wouldn't you come? He said, well, you know, I've done a lot of bad things in life. And he said, I just don't know if I would be welcome. He said, well, listen, man, sure you're welcome. And he went on to tell me about how he gave his life to the Lord and how his, his life had been so different since that time. But it was amazing that here he is wanting to have a conversation about a set of golf clubs, but he's wanting to ask forgiveness, and he's wanting to make things right because he's trying to move in the right direction. Are you with me? Now here's his past. 25 years he'd been married, lost his family, lost his wife. And he said, I came to the place that I recognized that I couldn't do it alone, and I asked the Lord to be, to be my Savior. And he said, he said, Sid, he said, I'm just trying to make it all right as I move ahead. I want to do the right thing. And I said, man, that's great. I said, I want to encourage you with a word that Paul spoke, you know, to, to let us not grow weary uh, in doing what's right, but in due season, you'll reap the harvest. Continue to do what's right. Don't give up. Don't look back. Because in due season, you'll reap a harvest. Sort of goes along with that sowing and reaping thing, doesn't it? We talked about that a couple of times over the past few weeks. If we've talked about 
happiness and sometimes we think that there's no way that I could continue. I've done so many bad things or so many things in life that it just seems like it's derailed me. Listen, stop doing those things. Start doing the right things and move ahead. And in due season, you will reap a harvest. You'll be blessed. Now, the thing we know about sowing and reaping is it may not be overnight. It may be over a period of time. But anyway, as we talk about sowing and reaping, today it would be a really good time to talk about finances. You guys want to talk about that? Y'all got all nervous all of a sudden. <laughs> let me see. Let me ask you a question. In reference to sowing and reaping and finances and talking about happiness, we've said something around the lines of happiness is peace. Um, how much money would it take for you to be happy? See, some of you got a number. You're working on a number. Have you ever thought about how much money would it take for you to be happy because you believe that there's a connection between money and happiness, right? Oh, now don't you lie. Uh-uh. No, no, no. You see, I got a $100 bill here. Is any one of you guys going to turn it down? No. You're not going to turn it down. Why? Because you believe there is a connection between money and happiness, right? If I want to give it to you, aren't you going to receive it? How many of you are going to say, no, I don't really want that. I've got enough. Not many of us in this room. How much is enough? Think about it from this perspective. How much money, since happiness is peace, and we've sort of related that over the past few weeks, happiness and peace, peace that comes from a relationship with God that comes through Jesus. How much money would it take for you to be at peace? We always think the answer is more, but we've come to learn that really, in, in truth, it's not really about more, is it? Because what do we end up doing with more? <laughs> How many times do we, do we spend it? <laughs> See, I know people with lots of money, and they'll tell you, money don't make you happy. I know people that have lots of money, and they'll, t they'll tell you that, um, listen, Money don't buy you love, you know? I know people that don't have any money at all, and you know what? They're at peace. They're at peace, and they're content because they're at peace with the Lord. Um, so I know money, people with money that are happy, and I know people with money that aren't happy. I know people that don't have money that are happy. I know people without money that, that aren't happy. They're just not happy because they're not at peace with the Lord. But there is a connection between money and happiness, but it's not more, but the word that we're going to talk about today is, is managed. There is a connection, but it's really not about more, but it's about managed. In other words, money can contribute to our happiness if we manage it well. Because this is the truth. Anything that undermines our, our peace undermines our happiness. And when we misuse the resources that God has given us, we undermine the peace that God so much desires that we have. Now, how many of you guys are really nervous right now? You want to get really, really busy with it today? You really want to do that? I think what we'll do is we'll start, um, we're going to pass out some sheets of paper so that you can write out all of your expenses and all of your debts and all of your, but we won't do that today. 
But what I did ask you to do is turn to Luke chapter 16, because we're going to look at something that Jesus had to say today, and I think it's really important, especially as we talk about finances and, and happiness. Luke chapter 16, verse 13, and I just want to read this passage. Here is a parable that Jesus is speaking, and remember, what Jesus speaks isn't also always necessarily what we think that he's aiming at. Jesus is going to aim at the heart. This really isn't so much about finances as it is the heart of the people those that he's talking to and he's addressing this issue because he knows that there is a problem that exists between our money and our hearts and so here is jesus speaking in luke chapter 16 verse 13 and this is what he says no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other you will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve god and be enslaved to to money now the other that we're talking about here i mean we would think that the other would be satan himself right i mean wouldn't it seem the opposite of god would be satan i mean light darkness god satan good evil but here it is and jesus says in reference to money i mean <laughs> i mean of all things jesus says you can only serve one master. Either you will serve God or you will serve money. Now, in some of the older translations, we'll see the word mammon. I don't think he's just talking about dollars and cents here. He's talking about more than just dollars and cents. He's talking about stuff. Anybody have lots of stuff? Sometimes that becomes overwhelming. So he's talking about reference to stuff. And Jesus says, look, you're either going to serve one of two masters, God, or you will serve your stuff in other words in relationship to our competition with god jesus knew that our stuff would be an issue no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other you will be devoted to one now that word devoted that's very interesting because it means something has my attention something has caught my eye and that which has caught my eye is something that i filter everything through in reference to the decisions that i make in other words whatever has caught my eye whatever i'm devoted to has caught my attention and everything else is secondary in life and jesus said you'll either be devoted to god or stuff one or despise the other you cannot serve both god and be enslaved to money so here's another question for you you ready question number two has your devotion to stuff ever caused you to do something dumb? <laughs> Has your devotion to stuff caused you to do something dumb this week? Got pretty quiet. Think about that for a second. Anybody made a purchase this week or the past couple of weeks that probably wasn't the wisest of purchases? Let me look. Let me see who's looking at who. I mean, have you ever done something like that? Uh-huh. Has the desire for stuff prompted you to purchase something that you knew that you didn't need, but you bought it anyway? This is really beginning to pop, prompt some conversations and some elbows. Yeah. Every one of us here has probably done something along this line. Has any one of us allowed ourselves to be mastered and now we've got a payment that we didn't have. How many of us have a garage full of stuff that has mastered us? 
How many of us need to go home and clean our garages out, period? Even if we, how many of us need to go, what are those things that have become so popular? Pods, storage units. How many of us have brought things that we thought that we needed at that time to enjoy, but now have no time to enjoy because we're spending all of our time trying to pay for that thing that we thought that we could enjoy, but now we don't have any time for it. Anybody ever said, I don't have anything to wear, but yet you can't get into your closet because there's so many clothes? I just, I don't have any shoes to wear. Come on, please. Does, any of in this, in this, does anybody in this room have less than five pairs of shoes? See, I remember the time. You remember the time. Put a piece of cardboard or something in the bottom of your shoe to cover up the hole so your feet wouldn't get wet. And then you had to change that out. You remember that. Or you take a piece of rubber. I remember those times. I just don't have anything to wear. But Jesus knew our tendencies and he knew what we struggle with and he knew the things that we battle with. And so he addressed it. And it's easy to find ourselves enslaved, isn't it? And to be at a struggle in reference to what we're devoted to. And you know why? Because of discontentment sometimes. And awareness leads to discontentment. You know, I was reading something that said, it said $10 billion a year is the increase, not what's being spent. $10 billion a year is the increase by the year 2017, next year, I think that the total would be 220. But since like 2003, 2004, $10 billion a year more is being spent in advertising to bring you aware, to make you feel discontented. Listen, I am not the person to take to rule king or one of these man, man places. I, I better know what I'm going to get when I go in there because if I don't, there's a lot of stuff that's going to catch my attention including the popcorn machine over in the corner. <laughs> I mean, if you go into a place or a store, I mean, Bass Pro, I mean, can you imagine Bill Holt going into Bass Pro and don't know what he wants? Gus, I mean, that's a dangerous place. I mean, we're going to come out with some bills and some debt if we do that. I mean, because, man, every time you turn around, there's something that's new, something a little bit more improved that you got to have, right? You can't do without it and you know maybe it's a camera you know Brian likes cameras it's a new just a just a little bit of a of, of a of a twitch you know just a little bit more improvement iPhones I mean how much money is spent on promotion of phones what's the newest thing Samsung now they dipping it in the water So everybody's going to go out and buy a Samsung because how many of us have dropped our phones in the water? My phone went in the water the other day. Abby said, Daddy, it don't bother. It's not that big a deal. You got it in a case that, don't, that, uh, that, that protects it. I don't think it protected it too well. <laughs> but discontentment. We get to that place. We got to have something. Something drives us. So there's all this awareness that's brought out. I mean, I can't even open my my computer, even turn it on in the morning without maybe six to ten new advertisements that comes up about something that you just have to have and you can't do without. 
But not just discontentment. What about greed? The inward desire to satisfy that which enslaves us. The inward desire to satisfy. I have, I have to have something. But see, that's really hard to see because it's hard to see greed, isn't it? I mean, can you look at somebody and just go, oh, they're greedy. You can't really see that. It's hard to, it's hard to see that. But greed is an appetite and it's a desire. It's a desire that you can not satisfy. And so you've got discontentment and you've got greed. And I tell you what, if you give in, you're going to eventually end up in debt. Now, how many of us are in debt? I mean, just say that four-letter word, debt. Say it, debt. Man, that just chills up your spine, doesn't it? Debt. And that's a terrible word. Here's a principle you can take home today, and I promise you it'll prompt an awful lot of discussion. You ready? It's a great discussion on the way home. To want is better than to owe. To want something is better than to owe. Can you say that? To want is better than to owe. When's the last time you've said no to something? If I want it, I'm going to get it. It's nice to be able to do that, but I tell you what, the I want conversation is a whole lot easier when we don't have to borrow to get what we want. But when you incur debt, there's an extra party added to the mix. And guess who God sides with? The other party. But how many times do we purchase things and we go in debt? How many times do we get mad at God about the financial situations that we find ourselves in? When the problem is all of ours, because we've made some dumb decisions. And here's Jesus saying to us, you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one or hate the other. You're going to be devoted to one or despise the other. I mean, I don't like debt. I don't like it at all. Never have liked debt. I don't like it. Because I don't want to be enslaved. I don't want somebody else calling the shots in my life. A few years ago, I'd saved, saved up some money, put my little cash. How many men got, their, got a little stash on the side over here? You saved. Now look, I'm not talking about being dishonest with your spouse. How many got men got a little stash over here in case of rough times? Anybody got something like that? Just tell me where it is and go <laughs> Well, I had saved up some cash on the side on the side over here. Meredith knew about it. It was a you knew about it, didn't you? Because she would get in my <laughs> she'd get in my stash from time to time. So I had saved up some cash over here, and I was going to buy a boat. You know, I, I had uh, the boat had went kapunk on us a few years, and when you got kids, that sort of takes up all your time, your effort, your energy, your money, and everything else that goes along with that. So I thought, well, it's about that time. We need a little extra something going on in the house. I'm going to go buy a boat. So I saved up some cash over here, and I, you know, I, I pulled it all out, and, and uh, I was going to go look at one one day. So I, I picked up Caleb from school, I think, and I took him with me. So we head down south to Claremont to go look at this boat, and I told Caleb about it. I said, look, son, I said, don't, don't tell anybody. I said, don't tell them. I like this. That's the, don't do that. Don't say nothing. <laughs> And I'm cheap, I'm cheap, I'm really cheap. So anyway, so I, I pull up and I start talking to this person. The first thing out of his mouth, Daddy, I really like this. 
I said, uh, son, son, shh, he said, Dad, I really like this. I said, don't say that. He said, Daddy, won't you tell him you got the cash in the car? You ready to buy it right now? <laughs> well, there's a couple more I'm looking at. I'll see if I get back with you a little bit later on. I get in the car, man. What in the world's wrong with you? <laughs> so I come home, and Meredith said, You know, you're just not going to be able to find what you're looking for. There were specific things because. I wanted something the family could enjoy. I also wanted something that I could enjoy. Are you with me? You know, I didn't want just a family. Who in the world wants just a family? But I want something I can fish in too, okay? Are we on the same wavelength? That's hard to find something like that. So anyway, I'm thinking about this thing, just wrestling with it, and I'm thinking, I just don't want to go. Well, Meredith comes up. Sometimes wives do not encourage your husbands in certain areas, okay? Meredith said, just go buy a boat. Just, just go buy a brand new boat. Man, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I thought, baby, you have no clue how much a new boat. Now, there's some of you guys want to tell how much boats cost. They co they're expensive, aren't they, John? Yeah. I mean, where's Nathan at? I saw Nathan walk in. Nathan, a boat's expensive, isn't it? Very expensive. Especially when, huh? <laughs> oh, that was, that was... <laughs> She knew that if I went to look at boats and I saw the prices, that would be it, and I wouldn't buy one. That's true. <laughs> so I'm thinking, baby, you have no earthly idea how much a new boat costs. So I start looking, and I thought, man, this is ridiculous. This is, this is ridiculous. So I'm thinking, I'm praying, okay, how in the world, you know, what, what is it? Well, Meredith's, Meredith's been talking for so long about a pool. I hear, pool, pool, pool. You know, I wish I had a pool, pool. I think, well, maybe I can get some brownie points. Maybe, 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 just maybe. So I started looking and started thinking. You know, it's, it's amazing how stuff grows. You know, it, it think, you know, you start out with something small and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you got to remember, I don't like debt. I struggle with that. And so, so anyway, I ended up, I thought, you know, hey, so I brought it up to her one night, and she said, I thought you said you'd never built, never buy, uh, build a, a pool. And I said, baby, I've been thinking about this thing. I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. It just don't make any sense. But family and missional community and having people at the house and kids. I said, look, baby, I said, this is where Abby can have her wedding, right here on the porch. <laughs> I said, that's saving money. I said, man, you can bury me right here. Spread my ashes out right, right here. No problem. I said, you know, we saw graduation parties right here. This is the place. So we made a decision. But I was able to borrow from myself. So now I'm having to pay myself back. I can't imagine going into debt with extras with all the expenses that happens these days. But I mean, you think about that in reference to discontentment and you think about greed and you think about debt. I mean, doesn't happiness just seem to ring from those words? I mean, don't you just get a sense? Oh, Larry's like going, stop this conversation right now. I mean, don't you just get a sense of happiness? I mean, doesn't it just exude happiness when you hear the words discontentment and greed and debt? I mean, I think you, you probably feel anything but, but happiness. Because discontentment, greed, nor debt improves happiness at all. But happiness as it relates to money isn't about more, but it's about the management of what God has entrusted us 
at that moment in time, regardless of how little or how much it may, it may be. So I want to give you two words today that I think that Scripture teaches us over and over. If we were to take all the Scriptures that we find in reference to money, I want to summarize them in two words. You can write these down. You can put them in your iPhone. But I think these two words sort of summarize all that we hear in reference to finances. If you want to talk about happiness, this may be a little clue for us today. In reference to finances, money, it's not about more, but it's about management, but it's about being generous and being wise. Being generous and being wise. Some of the happiest people I know aren't those people with money, like I said earlier, but they've been wise with what God has blessed them with, and they've been generous with what God has blessed them with. I want to give you three ideas. I wish I could claim these for myself. I heard these several years ago on a podcast, and I've tried to hold on to these. Three simple words that I want to give you. Reference to what Jesus had to say, summarization, be wise and be generous. But three words, three simple words I want to give you now as we move towards finishing up. Three words that I want to give you that I think that will help you as we talk about management. Not about more, but as we talk about management. The first is give. Give. You want to talk about breaking the, the cycle of enslavement? You want to be able to say, you are not my master. Well, the way to do that is to give some of it away. As soon as it comes in, to be able to give it away. You know, for, for our family, man, we, listen, tithing is a part. Giving is a part of our, our regular lifestyle. That's just a part of it. It's part of what we do. Part of what we do in our home. It's just a part of that process. And if you struggle with greed, it's important for you to be generous because generosity is what breaks that hold of greed. See, this right here means it's mine. This right here means, God, it's yours. We want to we really stick with that 10%, though, don't we? See, we want to spend the other 90 doing what we want to do. The last time I read the scriptures, the Bible says that it's all the Lord's. Every bit of it. And so just don't look about in reference to the tithe and about giving and about being generous. But what else, what are other things that you have the ability to do and be generous with? How else can you use your resources to bless and to be a blessing to others? And so that first step is to give. To, be, to give, if you want to look about management, make that a, a, one of the first things that you do. To give off the top. Listen, don't wait. I tell you what, if you wait to the end, you will never have enough to give. Isn't that right, Mark? You'll never have enough to give because there will never be enough. And so right up front, you figure out how much, whatever that portion is going to be, and you set that aside to give, to give it back to the Lord because it's His already. And we're not talking about tithing today. I'm just talking about some principles that are really important. If you want a happiness, if you want to be at peace, in reference to money, be wise and generous. And that first thing is to give. Give, and the second one is to save. Money in the bank does not bring you peace, but it sure takes you a little bit closer in that direction. We're to live day by day by day. But I tell you what, when you've got some money in the bank, there is some times of peace that you will experience when at other times people may not be at peace. When we started Heritage, I tell you what, I could take a breath every once in a while because we had some money set aside that we had saved. I can't imagine if we didn't have had anything 
But there was a little bit of a breather that I could have because I knew that just in case, Lord, you know, you've blessed us and we've tried to be wise with what you've given us. And so we've got a little bit that's set aside just in case I have to have that for an emergency. That was really important. So to give and to, and to save. And, and, and again, I'm not saying that saving brings you peace. It doesn't bring you peace, but it sure doesn't hurt. It's important because I promise you there will come a time when there will be something that happens that you need to have something that's been set aside. It may be an emergency. It may be a specific need, but it will happen. And if you've got that opportunity, set it aside. The principle, give, save. And the third thing, live on what's left. Live on the rest. There's a freedom that comes with saying, I could, but I'm not going to. I could, Tom, but I'm not going to do it because I don't have to, because I'm not under the bondage. I'm not under the bondage. I'm not been enslaved by what's there. So I could, but I'm not going to. I want to, but I don't have to. But if I had to, I could. I don't want to. I want to, but I don't have to. But if I had to, I, I could. Man, there's a freedom that comes with being able to walk away and say, no. I've been working on a, a, a cooker, trying to think, man, I got to have another grill. My grill don't work. It almost exploded on me the other day. Well, that's been a long time ago because it's been a long time since I've even cooked on a grill. So I spent, man, you know, like two or three times looking to see what was out there. And I tell you what, if you, wanna, if you really want to spend some money, start purchasing yourself a grill. So I've been looking and looking and looking. And about six or eight years ago, Meredith had bought a great grill for me. The only thing it needed to have was some wires that were changed around, some hoses and stuff, and some new burners and stuff put in. And everything else was great. So I spent yesterday morning after I got back from taking kids all over the place, man, scrubbing that thing up, putting me a new hose on it. And by the time it was over with, I looked at Meredith last night. I said, I'm going to Publix. I'm getting myself a steak, and I'm fixing to cook me a steak on my new grill. Because I could. Could I went out and bought a new grill? Did I want to go out and buy a new grill? Because it had been a whole lot simpler. And then I'd had another grill sitting in my, because I couldn't sell it to somebody else if it didn't work, right? But I said, no, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend like $24, and I'm going to fix what I got, and I'm going to clean it up. Felt good last night when I rolled it back in the garage, brought Meredith out, I said, baby, come look at this. That new grill over there I purchased today. Could have bought one, but I didn't. And I made that choice. Can you imagine what it would look like if you had lived that way throughout your life of that, that, that process of giving, saving? And the, what happens if you had have saved a portion of everything that you had made ever since you had started earning money? Can you imagine? But how many of us don't live that way? How many of us live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck? And you wonder why you're not at peace? Because somebody else owns you. Because you're enslaved. And Jesus said, what did he have to say? You can only serve one master. There's not two. You'll either love one and hate the other. Or be devoted to one in spies. God in the devil, it's not what he said. He said, see, your wrestling is going to be between God 
and money. And if you really want to be at peace and you really want to be happy, put some of my principles in place and it'll help you. I want to read a passage of scripture because it's not about more. It's not the more that matters, but it's about really the management of what God blesses us with, whatever that may be. But I want to read a passage of what Paul had instructed Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. And, and look, at what, look at what Paul writes here. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Money comes and money goes, doesn't he? Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Some of the most miserable people I know are people that have more than what they need. Did you hear that? Some of those miserable people that I know are people that have more than what they need because their God isn't God. Their God is money. And they're stressed out not only trying to make it, but they're stressed out trying to keep it. Are we on the same wavelength? Are we speaking the same language? Yeah, that's an issue. That word true life, man, that's so important because we want to talk about experiencing true life is to remember what we said from day one. Peace with God begins with faith in Jesus, but it's only sustained when we're submitted to Christ. And you know, if you're here today and you're saying, listen, man, my finances are in a mess. This is an area that I really need to, you know, my family, me personally, I really need some help on. I want you to go online to our website at heritagecommunity.org. And I want you to go to the website, and what I want you to do is there's a place in there that you can find. It's about Connect, and up under Connect, there's a couple of things. Uh, there's Foundations class. There's also Financial Peace. And you can clip on Financial Peace, and there's, a, there's an email down at the bottom that you can send us an email saying, listen, I need some assistance. I need some help. I need somebody to sit down and talk with me. Because a lot of times, it's just in the communication with somebody else that has an expertise in that area. Listen, there's no telling what, what's available to you. You just don't know it. You may be up under tremendous amounts of stress. You just need to sit down with somebody that will talk to you that has wisdom in that area that God has blessed. That that's what they do. And they'll share with you some really quick biblical principles that may take a tremendous amount of stress off of you. And to help get you a plan that will move you forward. And that's really important. Mark DeShane's in the back. Mark is a, is a financial planner. He's a financial counselor. He leads um, our financial peace courses. And I'll tell you what, Mark said, listen, I'll meet with, with any couple that needs, needs to meet and sit down and talk about this. In, the, in your privacy, we don't want to know your business, but what we, what we do want to do is we want to be able to help you. We want to be able to walk alongside of you because if you're not at peace in reference to your finances, you're not going to be at peace with God. We want you to be at peace with God and be able to be free and not up under that bondage that's there. Because not only can it weight you down, but it can destroy you. And you know what else it'll do? It'll destroy your marriage. Any marriages you ever seen destroyed because of finances? What happens if they would have reached out and said, I need help? Will you help me? 
Mark, anything you want to say about, about financial peace? Anything you want to say about financial peace? It's a good program. It's good. At least I got you to stand, you know. Um, there are several couples in this room that has been through financial peace. Um, uh, is Joe and Amanda here this morning? They're not here. Jimmer? You guys just got back from, from Ransley's time down in Orlando. Good time? Any other families been through financial peace? That's right. Betzers? Where's Brian Betzer? Any kind of testimony about financial peace? Life-changing. Yeah. It's not really about the money, is it? It's about the management of what God has blessed you with. And it'll change. Yeah. Um, and you've been very faithful to that. And God has blessed you. And not only blessed you, but he's used you in the lives of other people too as a result of your testimony. And so I want you to um, make yourselves available. We talk about happiness. Happiness is being able to lay your head down at night and not having to wrestle and toss and turn. You know, you want to think about debt. How many people lay their head down at night not knowing how they're going to pay those who they owe and they're so stressed out? Don't do that. Let us help you. Make that call to us. Send that email to us so that we can walk alongside of you because we want you to experience happiness that comes, that peace that comes as a result, not only, not only knowing God, but walking with him and practicing the principles that the Scripture gives us. Being wise and being generous. Give, save, and live. And you know, how about this before we watch a video? How about this next week? If, you've, if, if you really struggle in that area of, of giving, what about this next week? Maybe you commit to give. Maybe, it's, maybe you've never tithed before. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you to tithe. That's, up, that's between you and the Lord. You know, And I'm not going to tell you what percentage to tithe. But what happens if you've never tithed before? Maybe this is a, a great week for you to go, Lord, let me, let me see if I can begin putting into practice some of the things that you teach and what the Scripture has to say in reference to tithing. Let me just put it to a test. Or maybe you tithe, but maybe, maybe you don't bless others. Maybe, maybe, maybe that tenth is all you'll give because you say, that's it, not doing it. Why don't you take another step this week? Why don't, you, why don't you do something unexpected for somebody else to bless them? Why don't you do that? Because you know what? I've never seen a person that gives that's not happy. I've never seen a giver that was sad, mad, angry, and bitter. There's something about giving that we seem to be blessed and receive. So that's just a challenge for you this week. Is an individual? Is a family? Maybe, maybe you're not a tither. Maybe you're not a giver. Maybe you're not a generous person. This week, make a decision today to be generous of saying, Lord, man, I, I want to not only talk about you, but I want to know you, and I want to follow you, and I want to follow your principles. I want to experience what Paul had to say, the true life that is available to all of us. I want to pray over you, and then we want to watch a, a quick video clip, and then we want to end our service 
with praising our Heavenly Father. Can we do that today? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. I pray that, Lord, we would take the words of Jesus and that we would not be enslaved, that we would have only one master, and that would be you. Help us to fight against those urges and to be reminded that it's very easy to be devoted and to be enslaved by our stuff. Father, we declare you king today. Remind us of that as we go throughout this week. And Lord, would you help us to be generous people? Generous people that were with outstretched arms, holding on to nothing, but Father, blessing. That's what I'm asking in Jesus' name. And before the video starts, let me tell you this. You guys have been phenomenal in your giving this first part of the year. And because of a, this past week, we had some extra. We had some extra. And, be, and because we had that extra, uh, there was a church plant in Boston that Jay Mudd is a part of that we were able to send a check to him to say, we, won't, we, wanna, we, wanna, we don't want to hold on because we don't have a lot of savings around here, guys. God never promised me that we would have lots of savings. But he told me this, be faithful in what's been given. Be faithful in that which has been given. And so we were able to take a portion of money and to send that to him to help him this summer with some activities that he's, he's involved in. It wasn't in our budget, wasn't planned for, but when the overseers met this past week, they said, listen, this is what we want to do. This is what we feel like the Lord wants us to do. There's some things we're trying to do around here, and they said, that takes priority over, over that. Isn't that neat? Isn't that neat? <laughs> they want to take money and to be able to give that away instead of doing something over here that needs to be done. So we said, okay, parking lot stuff that we're working on on the west side, we're going we're gonna to hold on that for just a little bit longer. We're going to send this money because we want to be able to help. But thank you guys for your faithfulness because you allow us the, the, the opportunity to do God's work. But I wanted you to know that because as you're generous, it gives us the opportunity to be generous to others.